appreciate that. Uh, football camp is actually legalized child abuse. That's what it is. And uh, I'm teasing. We don't abuse uh, children. We abuse teenage boys. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, football camp is an amazing uh, camp. Uh, my dad and Dr. Woodward started it when I was um, 14. And, uh, and really, I mean this, it changed my life. I got saved because of football camp. And uh, some of the most major decisions in my life were made at football camp. And, uh, and so now I have the privilege of helping out in it and coaching uh, and uh, uh, being a, 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 an assistant director. And, and, uh, and we're very privileged to have men like your pastor uh, to uh, be with us. And, of course, his father has been coaching uh, with us as well uh, for many years. And we actually uh, have 40-plus uh, um, uh, preachers, pastors, evangelists, missionaries that come out and give their whole week, no pay. It's voluntary to, uh, to help out with football camp. And it's incredible. I don't know how much uh, pastors told you about it, but, I mean, literally boys get saved on the football field during practice and during games and, and the lives are changed like you wouldn't believe. Some of the greatest services, I mean, just God anointed services, uh, that I've ever been in in my life have been at football camp. I don't know about you, Pastor, but, uh, just amazing what God has done there in the lives of young men and, uh, and it's a wonderful thing to be a part of it. Let me say I'm, I'm ex- extremely excited to be here tonight, uh, and, uh, and be part of this. Uh, our church is very blessed to be able to support uh, church planners. Uh, your, uh, uh, we support um, uh, Jeremy Houston uh, still up in uh, um, McHenry. Uh, we support a church planner that is in northwest Iowa. Nobody lives in northwest Iowa up in Spencer, uh, Iowa. And uh, uh, you'll never hear of Spencer, Iowa, but there's a little town there. Uh, that had that needed a gospel preacher, and a man by the name of Josh Davenport went up there and started that church six years ago. And uh, and they're lucky if they have twenty on on a, on a Sunday night uh, here six years later. But they have seen people saved. They've seen uh, the Lord change people's lives. They have two uh, of their converts that got saved about four years ago are now this summer, I believe it is, they're going to go plant two churches in Iowa. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, but anyways, I don't think there's a greater ministry, or, or well, I'll put it this way, one of the greatest ministries you can get involved in is missions. And when I say that, I include church planting in that. And, uh, and there's no doubt that we need that in America. And what a blessing it is that your pastor uh, came and started this church here. Amen. And uh, what a blessing that is. I'm excited uh, for him and his family and, uh, and excited to be here tonight, excited to be part of, of helping uh, start this church and uh, very blessed to be a, a part of it all. So with that being said, if you'll go to Second Samuel chapter 15. Second Samuel chapter 15, a pastor told me that I did not have to pay attention to the clock or the time, and nobody here is interested in football, so he said just preach as long as you want to. So uh, this sermon that I'm going to preach normally lasts about two hours, and uh, I'm just joking, it doesn't. If it did, my wife would get after me. So, uh, But uh, while you're turning there, I do want to introduce my family. And so first of all, I'll introduce my wife, Melody. And uh, Melody, if you'll stand, I'm sure everybody uh, can see you anyways, but this is my wife, Melody, and uh, she is carrying our sixth child, uh, and uh, his name is going to be Josiah, 
And uh, so we're excited about him coming. And then we have Jonathan, who's our oldest. Jonathan, you can stand. And uh, Jonathan is uh, nine. And then we have Juliana. Juliana, if you would stand. Uh, Juliana is eight. She's our oldest daughter. And then we have Joy Anna. We call her Joy Joy for short. And Joy Joy is six. Right, Joy Joy? Six. And uh, you'll have to forgive me. I got a lot of them, all right? And then after Joy Joy, we have Jenna. And Jenna, you can stand. Jenna, stand up. Stand, stand up. Oh, you are. Okay. So we have Jenna. And uh, Jenna is four, four years old. And then we have Jessalyn in the nursery. And let me say it's a blessing to have a nursery. Amen? Uh, Jessalyn is in the nursery, and Jessalyn will be two on March 1st. And, uh, and then, of course, Josiah. So we're very, very blessed. And uh, I've been in Iowa for just over five and a half years as pastor of the Gateway Baptist Church there. And... Uh, we have about 20 folks left uh, from when I first came, uh, but the Lord has blessed us. Had a wonderful service this morning, and uh, uh, just exciting to be in the ministry serving the Lord. And very honored that your pastor would ask me to come and preach. Let me just encourage you uh, to, uh, to be good to your pastor and his family. And uh, let me say that I'm glad I had a church and church folks that were very gracious with me. And I know your pastor will be perfect. I wasn't, uh, and I'm still not, but I'm thankful that I have some gracious church folks. And uh, But uh, um, uh, I, let me just say this and encourage, let his kids just be kids. Uh, don't look at them just because they're the preacher's kids. You ought to know better. Let them be kids, because uh, that's what they are. They're just kids. And, uh, and I'm thankful that my kids at our church can just be themselves and be kids. And uh, uh, But you have a great man of God in your pastor. And uh, uh, it's not easy starting a church. It's not easy to step out by faith, uh, especially with a large family and uh, and uh, uh, literally stepping out by faith, saying, all right, God, you're going to have to provide. And there's no doubt that this place... Just the building that you guys have was no doubt an act of faith in God's, uh, God's blessing because of, of the faith that your pastor and his family stepped out with. And so uh, you guys are very blessed. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read a couple of verses. I'll read. You can follow along silently. And so Second Samuel chapter 15, and I'm going to start off at verse 13. I'll read a handful of verses and then uh, for the sake of time, uh, I could read several chapters uh, to get the story out, but then I'll just try to uh, 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 tell the story so that you can get the gist of it. Verse 13 of Second Samuel 15 says, And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. You can imagine how discouraging that must have been for King David, for one of his messengers to come to him and say, Hey, King, uh, all the men are following your son Absalom. And uh, verse 14, And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth, and all his household after him, and the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. Excuse me. And the king went forth, and all the people after him, and tarried in a place that was far off. 
And all his servants passed on beside him, and all the Cherethites, and all the Pelethites, and all the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath passed on before the king. And so, here of course we have the story of King David, his son Absalom, that leads a rebellion, a revolt against his own father, uh, and uh, 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 tries to tries to take the throne. And he does for a little time, but then uh, uh, but then the story turns. And so, I want to preach a message this evening. We see that here, as I read, the king, King David, and his men, they leave Jerusalem, uh, thinking that Absalom is going to take over. They leave Jerusalem. And, uh, and it's kind of like our king who is left as well. Uh, but then David comes back and he takes his throne back. So I want to preach tonight on a very simple subject entitled, The King is Coming. The King is Coming. And I hope it will be a blessing to you. I hope it will challenge your hearts tonight, understanding that King Jesus is coming back one day. And so let's pray. Father, we ask that you would be with the message tonight. Lord, you know that my, uh, uh, my nerves are up. Lord, I always get nervous when I uh, preach. Uh, from behind your uh, sacred desk. And uh, Lord, you know my heart tonight. Father, I want these dear folks to get a blessing this evening. Lord, I want them to be encouraged. Father, at the same time, I want them to be challenged in the Christian life. And uh, Lord, we are so grateful uh, to have the privilege to live in such a wonderful country where we can worship you freely this evening. And uh, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would be with the message now. Have your will and your way. Holy Ghost, we ask that you'd fall fresh on this building. Uh, Give us a fresh anointing tonight. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ around this place to protect us. And uh, Father, I ask that you would uh, allow me to be uh, anointed with fresh oil from on high. Father, that, uh, Lord, I might be full of holy unction, that I may have wisdom beyond my years. Father, that your message would come out the way you want it to. Father, I ask that you give me clarity of thought tonight. Allow my thoughts to line up correctly. Father, that the message may come across, uh, Father, completely clear. Lord, we uh, thank you so much for the work that Pastor McMurtry is doing here. And, Father, for the folks they've seen saved. And, Father, the lives that are being changed. Uh, Lord, so thankful that there's now a local, independent, Bible-believing, Baptist church preaching the gospel uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Father, so grateful for this. And uh, Lord, we ask that you continue to bless uh, this church and uh, all that is going on here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if you would allow me this evening to borrow your mind for... Uh, I would say five minutes, but that would be a lie. It's going to be several minutes. Amen? Uh, but I want to try to acquaint you with the story of our text here in Second Samuel 15. David, of course, was the greatest king that Israel ever had. And he was, of course, on the throne. Outside of the palace were 600 bodyguards. Philistine men who were walking guard around David. As those Philistines walked guard, David was safe in the palace. Now, I know that sounds kind of funny. Pastor Booth, aren't the Philistines the arch enemies of Israel? Yes, they were. But it's interesting to know, as we read in verse 18, and all his servants passed on beside him, and all the Cherethites, and all the Pelethites, and all the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from where? Gath. Now listen to me. We know that Goliath came from Gath. This was a Philistine 
territory. Uh, now, why Philistines? Well, obviously they're the enemies of God's people. We know that. Um, and they seem to always be. But these 600 men from Gath, these Philistines, maybe they were the ones that had seen David kill Goliath. And maybe they saw that when David took the slingshot and the five stones, and he hurled that first stone at Goliath, and man, he hit Goliath in the head and, and, and knocked Goliath out or killed him and took that sword and chopped his head off. Maybe these men that were watching saw the leadership of this young man and said, that's the kind of guy I want to follow. Maybe they laughed as Goliath did when David came out. And David said, hey listen, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God Jehovah. And God Jehovah is going to give me the victory. Maybe they saw David's faith. Maybe they saw David's trust in God. And they said, that's what I want in my life. And I hope that people in your neighborhood, people at work, people that you see on a weekly basis, maybe by the grace of God, they would see your faith as well. And they would see the change in your life as well. And they would be challenged by what God is doing in your life, as I believe these men of Gath were challenged and, uh, and greatly encouraged by what they saw David do. Needless to say, we know that these 600 men were from Gath and they followed the king, King David. So these 600 men defected from the army of the Philistines, joined up with David as his personal bodyguards. A man who led them was named Ataiah. And Ataiah was basically their leader. Uh, He was basically the captain of the guard. But something happened to King David's perfect utopia. Something happened to this kingdom, his palace, uh, this wonderful kingdom of Israel that he had, that he was the king of. He was the greatest king Israel ever had. He was sitting on the throne. His faithful servants and bodyguards were walking around guarding the palace. I'm sure that they probably had the finest of uniforms. I'm sure everything was spit shine. I'm sure that uh, uh, their sabers glistened in the sun as they proudly walked guard around the greatest king that ever sat on the throne of Israel. But something happened to this perfect utopia of David's. David had a son whose name was Absalom. And Absalom, the Bible describes as a very handsome, fair-looking man. Absalom had long hair, hippie-like hair. Of course, the Bible tells us that it's a shame for a man to have long hair, amen? And so he was strong of body, had a winsome personality. And Absalom got outside the gate of the palace. He stirred up opposition against David. He turned the hearts of the people against David. He deceived them, uh, uh, got them to follow him and back him. And uh, can you imagine Absalom doing this to his own father? Can you imagine one day one of the preacher's sons turning church people against the pastor. Then that would be the furthest thing from our mind. We'd never think anything like that would happen. But that's what happened in David's utopia. That's what happened here at the palace. Then Absalom got the ear of David's men, David's people, the Israelites, and he turned their heart against David. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine what David must have felt like? Absalom, his own son, went outside the palace gate and said, basically, he said, my dad's a good king, but if I was king, I'd do a better job. If I were the king, that's not the way I'd do it. By the way, you better be careful, because one day, 
I promise you it happens in every church. Somebody will say, you know, the preacher's a good preacher. He does a good job. But, you better watch yourself. You better guard yourself when you hear somebody start to talk that way. Let me encourage you. God has put your pastor behind this pulpit. He's put him here for a reason. If God wants to remove him, God will remove him. Amen? So get behind your preacher. David needed just some loyalty. I'm amazed at the disloyalty of people today. Man, they're disloyal to their boss that hired them. Their young people are disloyal to their parents. Man, don't let me catch a teenager talking down on his parents. I'm telling you what, I will run them up the wall. Young people disloyal to their parents. Uh, 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 wives disloyal to their husbands. Husbands disloyal to their wives. It amazes me the disloyalty today. Nobody has any kind of character to stand up for what's right and be loyal. And Absalom went outside the palace gate. He was disloyal to his daddy. He talked down about his daddy. And by his winsome personality, his handsome features, his strong physique, by his warm disposition, he began to sway the people. Many of them in opposition to his own father. He gathered an army around him. Could you believe it? He caused insurrection, rebellion against his own dad. I had a fellow get disloyal to me two years after I took him the pastorate at Gateway Baptist Church. One Wednesday night, preacher, we had probably 15 brand new adult converts there on that Wednesday night, aside from our other faithful folks. They were, I mean, they had just gotten in, man, they were starting to grow and, and follow the Lord. And this fella, he didn't like the way things were going. He didn't like my leadership style. He didn't like the decisions I made. He wanted uh, basically his own way. And so we agreed to disagree. But he decided after Wednesday night service, he was going to meet me at the back. I always, I don't know what you do, but I stand at the back door. I shake everybody's hand on the way out Sunday morning. I do that Sunday night. I do that on Wednesday night. And so people were filing out, and he came up, he ran up, he got my face, and he began to scream and yell at me. And man, I could see, you know how everything goes into kind of slow motion. And of course, my heart, and my heart started pumping. And uh, my first reaction was to uh, go back into my boxing mode from being in junior high and high school, boxing in golden gloves and silver gloves, and I was ready to go into boxing mode. And I began to pray, Lord, please, please help me right now. Help me. Help me have grace. And I saw this line of new converts that were lining up to shake hands on the way out. And man, tears started going down their face. I'm talking about new converts from the age of 65 all the way down to 20, 21 years old. And they're looking like, I can't believe this is happening at church. And so, long story short, I told them, hey, we, Bill, we need to go to my office and talk, or you need to leave. It's got to be one or the other. I'm not going to let you stand here and talk to the preacher like that. You need to do one or the other. And so he said... Uh, he continued to scream. And one of my new converts, Brother Todd, who came out and went soul winning, he had just gotten saved. Brother Todd, six foot two, uh, 240 pound black fellow that fights MMA. And, uh, and Brother Todd started walking to this, this old farmer that was screaming at me. And I looked at Brother Todd and he was upset. And I said, Brother Todd, what are you doing? He said, I, Preacher, you told him it was time to leave. I'm going to help him out the door. 
<laughs> Got me a good one. And I said, Todd, settle down. And Bill felt led of God to go ahead and leave this. And he did. Let me say this. He could, he the next couple of days he got on the phone and he called folks and he said we need to vote the preacher out. I got a call phone call Saturday afternoon after I got home from soul winning, and one of my men called me. He said, "Preacher, I think we need to have a men's meeting." And I said, "Why?" And uh, and I kind of had a feeling what it was. I said, "Why?" He said, "Well, he said Bill wants to vote you out." And I said, "Okay." I said, "We'll only have a men's meeting if I call it." And uh, I said, uh, "Where do you stand?" And he said, Preacher, as far as I'm concerned, ain't nobody voting you out while I'm here. I said, Praise God for loyalty. For loyalty. So we had a men's meeting. And unfortunately, and I mean this too, it broke my heart, unfortunately, the men of the church voted Bill out of the membership of the church. We had to do that. All of that scripturally based. I can't go into it tonight. But I will say this. I thank God for some good loyal men. He tried to cause insurrection. He was disloyal to God's man. And God dealt with it. Shortly after that, he slipped on ice, busted his head, and uh, had a concussion. And, uh, um, and I, think, I think God taught him some, some things. Long story short, his wife and his daughter still come to my church faithfully. He does not, but his wife and daughter do. And, uh, and we thank the Lord for that. But David... His own son led this insurrection. Now we have this war in Jerusalem. David's forces are fighting against the forces of his own son. King David versus King Absalom. Father and son in battle. One against the other. The battle's raging. David basically says, alright, I'm done. I'm not going to fight against my son. I'm not going to do it. He's my boy. I love him. I'm not going to stand here and fight against him. So David leaves... He leaves the palace, he leaves the city, he goes down to a little place called Mahananim. Now listen very carefully tonight, as David, uh, because of this story, I want you to get the picture. Here David, he's leaving the city, he goes down to Mahanim, and he turns and sees back in the city of Jerusalem. The Bible says he sees the dust of the war of his own men against the men of his own son. Dust is billowing, the fight is in array. David, I don't think, probably ever had a darker day in his life maybe than this one. His own son turned against him. There was never a time, I think, in David's life when he was as unhappy and as sad as he was when he realized that there was war in his own kingdom. The longer he was on his throne, or no longer he was on his throne, no longer was he the king of Israel. His own son entered the palace and ruled in David's place. Absalom, the son of David, was now sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. When David left, his friends went different directions. One of his men, whose name was Shimei, said basically he believed and he showed by his actions, Shimei did not follow David. And I believe he didn't follow David because he really thought David was going to lose. And so David's going to lose, so Shimei turns on him. Shimei turned on David as David left the city. The Bible tells us that Shimei actually picked up stones and dirt and began to throw them at David as David left, threw dirt in David's face and cursed him. 
He was the one that Shimei set, blamed David for killing Abner. Shimei cursed him. And the servant of David said, let me draw my sword out and let me pierce him and kill him. That's kind of how my buddy Todd is, my, my convert, brother Todd. He's that kind of a guy. But David encouraged his servant not to kill Shimei. You see, Shimei thought David was through. Shimei thought David's number was up. But as you read further, you'll see that David says, hey, if God wants to bring me back to Jerusalem, God will bring me back to Jerusalem. If He doesn't, then it's not of God. And so, Shimei thought David's reign had ended. Shimei had turned against David. There was somebody else. There was a fellow by the name of Mephibosheth. Some of you might recognize that name. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was David's best friend. And Jonathan was Saul's son. He was, of course, supposed to be next for the crown. But God had other plans. And let me say this. When God has other plans, submit to God. Everything will turn out okay. Saul did not. Saul fought it. He wanted Jonathan to take it. But he didn't. Of course, Jonathan and Saul died in battle. Uh, the uh, uh, the kingdom was being overrun. And so one of Mephibosheth's nurses took Mephibosheth and began to run away with him, tripped down some stairs. Mephibosheth fell out of her arms and he became crippled. And so years later, David asks one of his servants, is there anybody left from the family of Saul? Saul. Of course, David had promised Jonathan that he would take care of his family. Jonathan made that same promise to David. And so David was trying to keep his end of the bargain, his promise. So what happens? They find this boy of Jonathan, Mephibosheth. Where do they find this son of a prince, grandson of a king, Mephibosheth? They find him in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar. Lodabar was... Uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, the, where the down and out lived. Uh, Lodabar was the place where the poor people lived and those that couldn't take very good care of themselves. And so, Mephibosheth was 13 years of age and lived in the land of Lodabar. David brought him. Because he was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul, David brought him from the land of Lodabar to the palace and set that little crippled fellow down at his own table, and he made Mephibosheth, that 13-year-old crippled boy who couldn't walk at all, he made him one of his own sons. He let him eat at the king's table. He let him live at the king's house in the palace. What a wonderful thing to be taken from the miry clay and be set on the solid rock. Amen? And that's what the Lord did for us when He saved us. Man, He took us out of Lodabar and He put us in the king's palace. Amen? And so that's what David did with Mephibosheth. That 13-year-old crippled boy who couldn't walk became one of David's own sons. David put him there as a royal prince in the palace. But when this happened, when, when Absalom turns against David and leads this revolt, and David and his servants and his 600 men from Gath leave the city, Shimei curses David. Shimei throws stones at David. David. And you know who else stayed behind? Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. The one that David had taken from Lodabar. 
The one that David had brought from the gutter and put him in the palace. Mephibosheth didn't even follow David out. Here Mephibosheth didn't even go with him. I couldn't believe it. Could you know such ingratitude? Here this little fellow who couldn't even walk, a poor little fellow from across the tracks, David brought him in to the palace, made him as one of his own sons, set him at the king's table. Now David, the king, the savior of this young man, is in his darkest hour. David left the palace, left Jerusalem, and Mephibosheth wouldn't even stand beside him. You know why? I'll tell you why he wouldn't stand beside David. I believe Mephibosheth believed like Shimei that David was done. I believe Mephibosheth believed David would not return to the throne. He thought the king was finished. He thought David's number was up. He thought David's kingdom was finished. He thought David was a goner. But that isn't all. There's another fellow named Amasa. And Amasa, who was the captain of David's host back in Jerusalem, Amasa thought David was finished. And Amasa joined up with Absalom. And Absalom made Amasa the captain of his host. David's big now, big man is now Absalom's big man. David's captain is now Absalom's captain. And Amasa now salutes Absalom instead of David. He now serves Absalom instead of David. He now fights for Absalom instead of for King David. Why did Amasa do this? Well, I think he thought David's number was up too. I think Amasa thought, you know what, I better go with Absalom because, uh, you know what, he's the bigger horse and my money's going to be on Absalom. They were cursing David back in Jerusalem. The king was gone. Absalom had taken the throne. He was not very popular there. His kingdom was finished, so Amasa joined up with the forces of Absalom and became Absalom's captain, the captain of his army. Shimei was cursing David, throwing dust in his face, making fun of him. Mephibosheth was sitting back in the palace, not even willing to stand up for the fella that brought him out of Lodabar, brought him from poverty to riches. But there were those who stood beside David. So there are some that didn't stand with David. But there were some that did stand with David. And I believe this is a beautiful story. As David marches down toward Mahanim, there are 600 men right beside him. Who are they? Who are these 600 men? They're the Philistines, not even Jews. They shouldn't even be in David's army. Kind of like Uriah. Uriah wasn't a Jew. Uriah was welcomed into David's army. Aren't you glad that you ain't got to be a Jew to belong to the Savior? Amen? You ain't got to be a Jew to belong to the King of Heaven. Amen? We get to be adopted into the family. Amen? And so David, where is he? Well, he's on his way down to Mahanan. 600 men right beside him. These Philistines, they shouldn't even be in David's army. These men saw David kill Goliath. I think they said something like, whether it be life or by death, where our Lord David goes, that's where we're going to go. We're going to stand with the king. We're going to fight with them till the death. David stops as he goes down toward Mahanim, and he calls these men together. Can you see it? He brings them together, and he's thinking, man, they've left their families. They've left their homes. Jerusalem is being overrun. 
Absalom's taking over. But can you imagine, maybe he gathered them together and said something like this, Fellows, I'm not king anymore. I don't have my throne anymore. Go back and serve my son Absalom. You don't have to follow me. You don't have to bear my reproach. You don't have to bear my burden. You ain't got to stick by me because I'm in trouble. You don't have to come down here. Man, you left your shiny boots. You left your nice, beautiful sabers. You left your your nice, shiny armor. You ain't got to follow me. You left the pomp and ceremony of the king's bodyguard back yonder in Jerusalem. Why don't you go on back? But these men... I can see them as they look at David. And with humble adoration, they say, Your Majesty, we're your bodyguards. And whether you're in the palace or on the throne, in Mahanim or in a palace of shame, we stand for you to guard you, to care for you, whether you're popular or unpopular, whether you're going to be where you are, it doesn't matter whether you're alive or dead, we're going to stand with the King. Whether you're on top or on bottom, we're going to stand by you. And thank God for men like these 600 men from Gath that stood with the King, stood beside Him. Even when he was unpopular, they stood with the king. And thank God for men who say to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, if I'm at the shop or I'm at home, I'm going to be for King Jesus. Hey, if I'm at school or I'm at work, I'm going to stand with King Jesus. Hey, if I'm at church where they praise you or I'm at work where they curse you, I'm going to stand for King Jesus. If I'm in a revival where they sing of you, I'm going to be for you. If I'm at school where they deny you, I'm going to stand by you. Whether it be by life or death, King Jesus, I'm standing with you. And that's the kind of men we need. That's the kind of Christians we need. Folks that are going to stand with King Jesus no matter what the tide uh, uh, brings in. No matter which way the flow is going. But to stand with King Jesus no matter what family thinks or friends think or the boss thinks. But they're going to stand by King Jesus. Why? Because He's the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. David... Man, here He is, no throne. Let me say that we need this kind of people in our generation. God needs some people in our generation who say, King Jesus, whether you're cursed or whether you're blessed, I'm going to stand with you. If you're loved or hated, if you're on top or on bottom, we're Christians and we're going to stand for our King regardless of what the conditions are. I get irritated when people can be Christians at church, but they can't be Christians the rest of the day, days of the week. They can put on a good show when they walk into the church house. Man, have every button button just right. Have everything slicked back. We can put on a good show here at church. But what about the rest of the days of the week? What about when it's not easy to stand by King Jesus? 
What about when it's unpopular to stand with King Jesus? Back in the palace is little Mephibosheth, the traitor. Beside the road is Shimei, cursing the king. Back yonder, fighting in Jerusalem, as the captain of Absalom's army, is the wicked Amasa. But thank God for Achai, and thank God for Zeba, and thank God for these 600 wonderful Philistine men who said, I'm going to stand for the king. That's what we need. We need to decide we're going to stand for King Jesus. But wait a minute. Something happens back in Jerusalem. David looks and sees the dust of war rising in the sky. David begins to wonder how the battle is, is faring. The forces of David, whether they've won or whether Absalom was killed or who's winning the battle. And so David sends some messengers. And of course, those messengers find out about the battle and they come back. Now, Cushai was a slow kind of fellow, but he got the job done. He didn't win the race, but he had, he, he, he brought the message. He brought the message that Absalom was dead. And of course, we all have heard, or many of us have in 2 Samuel 18.33, David hears this news that Absalom is dead, and he says, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Can you imagine the heartbreak in David's life? Not just that his own boy had led a revolt against him, but now his son has been thrust through with darts, and he's hanging in a tree, he's dead. David's forces are victorious they asked a question. They said this, Why speak you not a word of bringing the king back? Uh-oh. The king is coming back. The king is coming back. I thought he was defeated. I thought he didn't have a chance, Cushai said. I, or or Shimei said. Mephibosheth thought, Man, he's never going to make it back. It's over. Amasa said, Man, I'm going to go fight for Absalom. King David, he's gone. There's no way he's going to pull this thing out. Absalom's got the heart of the men. Absalom's turned the heart of the men against David. But oh no. Why speak ye not a word of bringing the king back? The king's coming. The king's coming. He had been over here in Mahanim. But the war is over and now the king can go back on his throne. So David does what? He comes back to Jerusalem. Those 600 Philistines are mighty proud fellows, you can imagine. They stood by the king, didn't they? Can you imagine as King David comes back to Jerusalem? He travels that same path, that same road back to Jerusalem. David comes back to Jerusalem. Can you imagine who he meets first on that road? Shimei. The one that had thrown stones at him. The one that had cursed him. The one that had turned on him. Oh my, Shimei comes to meet David and the king looks at Shimei and Shimei looks at the king. Those lips that had once cursed the king. Those lips that had once ridiculed the king. Those lips that had probably even made fun of the men that were following him. Now... Those lips are sealed. Those hands that had once thrown dust on the king were now pleading for mercy. Oh my, Shimei said, I didn't know the king was going to come back. 
I didn't know he was going to be back. I thought he was gone. I thought he was unpopular. I didn't think he'd take the throne back. I thought he, he was out of here. I thought his number was up. Oh my, I've got to face the king now. Shimmy, I looked face to face with the one he had cursed. Can you imagine how ashamed he must have felt? The king's coming back. The king's coming back. Let me say, King Jesus is coming back, folks. He's coming back one day. Then there's Mephibosheth. Oh my, Mephibosheth, the king's coming. The king's coming. Oh my. Can you imagine Mephibosheth? How he wished he would have stayed with the king. Mephibosheth, how he cries, I wish I had gone. I wish I hadn't stayed at the palace. I thought Absalom was going to win. I put my money on the wrong horse. That's, of course, in the Hebrew. Amen? (laughs) But the king's coming back. Mephibosheth. Can you imagine how ashamed Mephibosheth must have felt as Mephibosheth looks in the face of King David, whom he had deserted? He looks into the face of the one who had taken him from the uh, 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 from Lodabar, the poor country, placed him at his table. Mephibosheth had been given an inheritance like the son of a king. Turned his back on King David. Wouldn't go beside him. Now Mephibosheth faces the king. Can you imagine how embarrassed he must be? How he must begin to play everything back over in his mind. How he used to be stranded in Lodabar. Couldn't hardly take care of himself. One day there was a knock at the door. It was the servant of the king. Mephibosheth the king wants to talk to you. He's brought into the king's palace and made like a prince. He thinks about that and then he thinks about the decision he made. Not to go with the king. But to turn his back on the king. And now David rides back in. Mephibosheth is faced with seeing King David. How ashamed he must have been. Now there's somebody else, Amasa. The king is coming, Amasa. Amasa, you rebelled against the king. You led David's army and defected over to Absalom's army. Amasa, the king's coming. Oh my, Amasa says, I didn't expect him back. I didn't think he'd come back. I thought he was gone for good. I really didn't know he was going to be back. The Bible says that Joab, one of David's servants, walked up and said to Amasa, Let me kiss you, Amasa. Amasa didn't know, but Joab had a sword in his hand. The Bible tells us that as he placed a kiss on the cheek of Amasa, Joab's sword went through the fifth rib. Blood gushed out. The Bible says that Amasa uh, 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 was lying on, uh, on the highway and Amasa wallowed in his own blood and they came and dragged him off the highway and laid, beside, laid him beside the highway and put a garment on him as he wallowed in his own blood and died. Why? Because when the king was gone, he didn't fight for the king. Why was Mephibosheth so embarrassed? Because when the king left, he didn't stay with the king. The king was gone. He was ashamed of the king now. Shimei was ashamed of the king when he left. 
He fought against the king and the king's forces. But there's others that came out to meet the king. Ziba. Ziba. The king's coming, but Ziba. He ran out to meet the king. He wasn't embarrassed to see the king. Because you see, Ziba... Zeba was glad that he stood for the king. They tried to talk him out of it. Probably a mason, Shimei, or men like that probably told Zeba, Zeba, there's no use. David's gone. Zeba, there's no use. Absalom's going to win this thing. Zeba, there's no use. You might as well give up. You might as well throw in the towel. Hey, there's no reason to go to church on Sunday morning. There's no reason to go to church Sunday night. There's no reason to show up for revival meetings. There's no reason to be there for prayer meetings. Hey, there's no reason to get too involved in the church because you know what Jesus he's not really coming back but let me say you say to you tonight he's coming back folks he is coming back the king is returning you say preacher why do you preach with with uh, uh, such vigor why do you preach and, and you, you, you pound the pulpit and you stomp your feet and you scream and you get so excited I'll tell you why because I really believe King Jesus is coming back and one day when he comes back I want him to find me faithful I want him to find Find me serving. I want them to find me living for him. And here's Zeba. Zeba was excited when the king came back. Why? Because Zeba stood for the king. You can imagine as David comes back and Zeba says, Hey, your highness, welcome back to the throne. Good to see you back, king. Zeba, when, he, when King David comes back, Zeba is taken and he's given a place, the Bible says, of honor. In the palace. You know why? Because he stood with the king. I feel bad for folks that claim to be saved, and maybe they are. They only show up to church maybe once a month. I don't know what kind of place they're going to have in heaven. I don't know what it's going to be like up there. But I tell you what, I know Jesus is coming back. And I want Him to find me faithful. I want Him to find me faithful reading His Word. I want him to find me faithful on my knees. I want him to find me faithful tithing. I want him to find me faithful sowing. I want him to find me faithful in my church attendance. I want him to find me faithful, not just being a Christian at church, but taking a stand all week long. Can you imagine the 600 Philistines? The king's back! Man, they must have shouted. Man, we're so glad we stayed beside the king. I can imagine on that first night that they were back at the palace and they're standing guard and they're walking back and forth in front of the palace gate. And one of them looks at the other and says, Man, oh man, I'm glad we stuck with the king, aren't you? Boy, oh boy, poor Mesa's wallowing in his own blood on the highway. I'm glad we stuck with the king. And the other one says, I am too, man. It was pretty rough. It was tough at times. We were unpopular. We were spit at. We were at stones thrown at us. But man, I'm glad I stuck with the king. Hey, people made fun of us. People cursed us. People yelled at us. People told us we were going the wrong direction. People said we were fanatics because we showed up at church on Super Bowl Sunday night. Amen? Amen. But I'm glad I stuck with the king. I'm sure they were excited. Back in their place, guarding the palace gate. Those 600 men in their uniforms. Back in their place. Let me say, 
that our King has gone to. Our King Jesus, He came, He lived, He died, He was buried for three days and three nights, but He rose again, Amen? Amen. And He ascended to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. But the Bible tells me, friend, that He went away. Uh, 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 John chapter 14 tells me, He told the disciples, Hey, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I will receive you unto Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Listen to me. We've been given the promise by King Jesus. Yes, He went away. Yes, He ascended to be at the right hand of the Father's throne. But the Bible promises us, and King Jesus promised us, that one day He's coming back. He may be gone today. He may be unpopular today. He may uh, not be sitting on His throne in Jerusalem today. The battle is raging between the King's forces and the forces of Satan. And let me ask you something this evening, friend. When He comes back, where is He going to find you standing? Standing for Him or standing with the enemy? He's coming back. Hey, you know, Ziba, he didn't say, hey, King, when you get back. Ziba just believed one day he was coming back. Hey, those men from Gath, they didn't know what the time frame, but they believed he was coming back. And friend, the Bible tells us that no man knoweth the day nor the hour nor the time which the Son of Man cometh. Listen to me, we may not know when He's coming, but friend, let me tell you, He is coming. I'm not 32 years old preaching and putting up with the heartache and the burdens of pastoring a church. And by the way, I'll be honest with you, it's not always fun. It can be hard at times. It can be burdensome. But you say, well, why do it? I'll tell you why. Because one day King Jesus is coming back. He called me to preach His Word. He called me to live for Him, so I'm going to do my dead level best to do it. He's coming back! How's He going to find you standing? How's He going to find you? Is He going to find you faithful to the leadership of His church? Is He going to find you faithful to His Word? Is He going to find you standing right? Are you a shimei? Are you cursing the King through your lips? Does there flow filth and vile language about the God who made you or the Son of God who died to save you? Listen to me tonight. It's, if, if that's what you're doing, you'll not be happy when the shout comes. Listen, there's one day the shout's going to come through the heavens. The King is coming. The King is coming. Thus be God this evening. The King is coming. How is He going to find you standing? On that day when He comes, those of you who have not stood by Him, as Mephibosheth refused to stand beside the King, you'll say, oh my, oh my, oh my. I didn't know He was coming. Hey preacher, I didn't know it was this soon. Hey, preacher, don't I got some extra time? You'll get to the gates of heaven and you'll say, Really, Lord, I I wanted to live for you. The problem is, is you really didn't think he was coming back. Oh, we say it. I think it's almost become a cliche. Hey, Jesus is coming. Is he really? Do you really believe it? If you believe that, then why aren't you living it? Why aren't you living like He's coming back? Hey, listen to me. If you believe Jesus is coming, then let me ask you, are you a witness like He's really coming? 
Are you a witness everywhere you go? Brother Todd, man, when he got saved, and I think your preacher can probably testify to this, that he's seen Brother Todd this way. Brother Todd, man, he's a big guy. Listen to me. Brother Todd was one of the biggest drug dealers in our town. He fought on small MMA, and that didn't pay his bills, so he sold drugs to pay his bill. He was as filthy of a womanizer as you could find. He had, 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 had three kids from three different women. But God saved him. Changed his life around. Let's see here. I think we're at three years. I think we're at three years right now in February that he got saved. Three years. What's he doing now? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's not on welfare anymore. He's got custody of one of his boys. He's trying to get custody of his other son and his daughter. Fighting for that. He works a job. He pays his bills. He takes care of his family. He's got a house. He's got two vehicles. And he's the preacher of our junior church now. Amen. And everywhere Brother Todd goes, he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out gospel tracts and he hands them to everybody. Can I invite you to Gateway Baptist Church? And if they take it, then he says, let me show you something. Do you know for sure if you died, you would go to heaven? Can I show you how you can know that for sure? We went to the nursing home this afternoon with our choir. One of our members is in the nursing home. He's dying of cancer. He's 89, or I'm sorry, 91 years old. He got saved three years ago. 91 years old got saved three years ago. He's in the nursing home dying of cancer, Brother Ed. Brother Ed, we went and took our whole choir there this afternoon. We crammed into his room with our, I don't know what we have in our choir, about 18 people. With 18 people in his nursing home room, and we began to sing, and we sang several choir songs. And man, several other people from the nursing home came waddling out of the rooms in their wheelchairs and in their crutches, and they gathered around that door, that room that we were singing in, and they put their ear as close as they could to hear us sing. And there was an old man who had a walker, and he turned the walker around and he could sit in it, and he would sit in it. And when we left, when we walked out, Brother Todd stopped. And he said, Sir, did you enjoy that? Those said, Yeah, man, I wish you guys would just keep singing. Mm-hmm. Brother Todd said, Do you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? And I said, No. Brother Todd took a track and began to go through the gospel with them. And he said, Wouldn't you like to trust Christ? And man, big old tears rolled down the staff. said, Listen, that's where you see old folks get saved. Mm-hmm. Big old tears running down his face. He said, I'm trying. He said, Are you want to trust Christ? He said, I'm trying. I really want to. I'm trying. And Brother Todd led that man to the Lord. He got saved. A couple minutes later, I went up to him. I said, Sir, did you trust Christ? And then he started crying. He said, Yes, sir, I trusted Christ. And Brother Todd really believes Jesus is coming back. And he looks back on all of his life that he wasted and he said, Man, I've got to do something for him before he gets back. The king's coming back. He's coming back. Hey, Shimmy, I didn't think David was going to come back. Amasa didn't think David was going to make it back. I don't think Mephibosheth believed David was going to make it back. But man, there was evil. Man, he stood tried and true. Then there were the men from Gath who stood tried and true. Man, they were faithful. They stood by the king, being ridiculed, just like we are in this old world. Going against the flow, but making some headway. They stood tried and true. Why? 
because they knew the king was going to return to his throne. You understand, folks? And if you get back there in, in Revelation, we see that King Jesus comes back and he sits on his throne in Jerusalem. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. The king's coming back. He is. I promise you this. He is coming back. Are you living like it? Let's live like it. I'm excited King Jesus is coming back. I'm thankful he's coming. Because when he comes back, he's going to bring peace. Amen. Mm-hmm. And all the filthiness is going to be gone. The sin's going to be gone. Oh, what a wonderful day it's going to be when he comes in the clouds and the shout rings out and we're called home and we get to be up there in heaven for a little while. And when the Lord comes back and, and the battle of Armageddon is raised, is waged and, and King Jesus and us are with them and victorious in the battle of Armageddon. And then he brings down the new Jerusalem for a thousand years, the millennium. Man, he reigns on his throne. Man, what a wonderful time it's going to be if you're living for him when he comes back. Mm-hmm. The king's coming. The king's coming. The king's coming. King Jesus, he's coming. Are you ready for the return of the king? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we ask that you be with the invitation now. Bless it, Lord. Oh, God, would you please, Lord, help us to live like we ought to. Lord, we know, we know Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. But, Father, we know that, Lord, there's no doubt that we are in the last days. Father, we are in the end times. Father, I truly believe you're going to let me see the coming of Christ. Oh, God, would you help me? God, help me be faithful. Lord, help me to be tried and true. Father, so many times I fail you. Father, so many times I mess up. Oh God, help me to live every day like Jesus is coming back. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please respect that. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor Booth, I don't even know King Jesus. I don't know for sure if I died that I would go to heaven. And friend, if you don't know... Uh, whether or not you'd go to heaven if you died tonight, for them, I encourage you to get that taken care of. But who would be honest this evening? you say, Pastor Booth, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'd like to know that for sure. Does anybody like that? You'd slip your hand up. Pastor Booth, that's me. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or anything like that. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'd like to know that for sure. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, I'm saved. I am going to heaven. I've been born again. I know for sure that if I died right now, heaven would be my home. If that's your testimony, why don't you testify that by raising your hand up? Preacher, that's me. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't be ashamed of it. If you know you're going to heaven, raise your hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can put them down. Now let me ask you this. See, preacher, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But Brother Booth, I sure don't live like King Jesus is coming back. I don't know for sure, uh, Pastor Booth, that he'd be pleased with me if he came back today. Pastor Booth, I need to take a stronger stand for him in the workplace. Pastor Booth, I need to live more for him. I need to be a bigger witness. Pastor Booth, I need to be more faithful to my Bible reading. Pastor Booth, you know what? There are some areas in my life, if I was to get honest with God tonight, there are some areas in my life that I need to make right with the Lord tonight so I'm ready for the coming of the King. Pastor Booth, God spoke to my heart during the message. 
Would you please pray for me? If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Pastor Booth, that's me. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Who else? Pastor, God spoke to my heart. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Just slip your hand up. Put it down real quick. All right. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I don't know what, what your pastor does, but he told me just to go ahead and, and take this take this part. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I ask that you be with invitation, Lord. Have your will and your way, Lord. Please, Father, if there's those that need to make some things right with you, Lord, something you spoke to their heart about, Lord, give them the courage to come to an old-fashioned altar, Lord, and kneel and make things right with you, whatever it may be. And, Father, if you didn't speak to somebody's heart, Lord, help them to look deep inside of themselves and ask themselves, ask you, Lord, Lord, why didn't you speak to me? Why didn't you talk to me? Father, none of us are perfect. We all have areas to work on. Father, would you bless the invitation now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.